The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan and attorney Ray Judice. Happy weekend, everybody, and go Braves. This is Extra 106.3. Tug Coward along with the best lawyers in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. This show is called Your Day in Court, hosted by Ray Judice and Bruce Hagan. And we always start the show with how to get a hold of you guys if someone needs your expert opinion. Bruce Hagan, you can reach me, hagan-law.com. That's H-A-G-E-N dash law.com bruce at hagan dash law.com my phone number 404-522-7553 yeah ray judice 404-964-4185 raygilaw.com you know i moved to decatur to go to emory university in 1978 and amazes me how expansive now the definition of what is metro atlanta is relative to then Metro Atlanta then was like really small, (laughs) really small. And a lot of people didn't want to let anybody know they lived in Metro Atlanta or even on the national news, what was considered, you say, there's a shooting in in Griffin. Mm -hmm. Now it's Metro Atlanta. It's like, you know, nobody in Griffin thinks they're in Metro Atlanta, (laughs) but but the rest of the country perceives that. And I have cases now in Clark County. I mean, if you go up 316, it's just continuous traffic and construction and You know, it's amazing. It's Growing. true. 575, same thing. I mean, you yeah. know, you're all the way up to Woodstock and Canton and, and Jasper, and, and yet, you know, you're still in Atlanta. Yeah. No, it is. It's It has grown so rapidly. It was just 404 when I moved here. Yeah. There was no 770 no, or 678. What's the new one? There's a new 912. one. 912. That's making, right? 470 is 470, one. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, no, you're 100% yeah, correct. And even like the perimeter mall area was just farmland. Yeah. Yeah. We, no Georgia 400. You know, early 80s. No Georgia 400. Alpharetta right? was farmland, too. Yeah, people, people don't really uh, remember. And, you know, for me, it was when the Olympics um, came and the buildup to the Olympics yeah. really kind of changed everything. It was a super accelerator for Atlanta growth, for Atlanta traffic. Uh, it, it, it started, you know, that's when traffic started affecting your quality of life. It was right around then, and we never looked back after that. <laughs> I used uh, to say group. you could get anywhere you needed to go as fast as you wanted to go and park right up front for free. That right. was old Atlanta. Yeah. Not you know, and that gravel was lot true next for, to the, uh, for yeah. Braves games. I mean, yeah. you know, I used to leave my house at 7.15, get to, uh, you know, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium at 7.25, pull right up front. It was almost like, uh, what time is the first pitch? Well, what time can you get here? <laughs> right. So I, I was a baby prosecutor in DeKalb County in 1985 and 86, and we actually had badges, real badges, okay? Not those stinking badges from Blazing Saddles, <laughs> but real badges in a, in, a, in a cover, you know? And so back then, and I'm not kidding you, if I picked somebody up at the airport, I would park in a restricted zone, put on my four ways, and put the badge on the on the on the sh- on windshields, you know, inside, the, and no one would give you a ticket. Yeah. Now, if you got within a hundred yards of that, you'd be taken down by the right. <laughs> the gendarmes. Goodness gracious! <laughs> things change so much. How things have yeah, changed, no amazing. doubt about it. Uh, this show is is great because we talk about maybe things that you've heard in the news and you wonder, is that legal? Can they even do that? And if you have questions about it, you reach out to Ray and Bruce, and they can answer them for you, especially if you find yourself in the situation. But I want to bring one up because there's been a lot of discussion about vaccine mandates and 
So recently, a federal judge tossed out Southwest Airlines pilots petition against a vaccine mandate. So that's happened a couple of times. And I know there's one uh, another uh, lawsuit that's happening in New York City for the uh, the NYPD, some of the uh, the police officers that don't feel like they want to follow that mandate. How do you see this playing out, Ray? I mean, obviously the, the federal judge has already tossed one out. Does the same thing happen with the police officers? Yeah, I think so. There's been a consistent uh, set of rulings going back to one that we spoke about maybe a month or two ago. A Texas chain of hospitals, I want to say it was Wellstar, made it mandatory for all of their health care providers, nurses, doctors, and just everybody in the line of treatment uh, to be vaccinated. A couple of hundred said no, and they filed suit, dismissed. Southwest Airlines Pilots Union filed suit, dismissed. Federal court judge in Texas. Now, I, I don't know this judge who appointed her. I'm going to do some research while Bruce is talking, if it was a Bush appointee or an Obama appointee. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by that is it might be interesting if it was a Republican appointee that in Texas, in a Texas federal court that strikes down a, a union move that was by the pilots union. Mm-hmm. I, I perceive the same thing will happen in New York. There's been a couple of minor victories, which are like temporary injunctions granted mm-hmm. by a court to slow down a mandate until the court can get some pleadings and lawyers can file some documents and things like that and have a hearing. But it's been, you know, strike out, strike out, strike out. Yeah, and, you know, certainly, look, this this is how the legal system works, where you have a legitimate grievance at times, and certainly these folks consider themselves to have a legitimate grievance that they did not feel they should be required by their employer to get vaccinated, um, regardless of how you feel about vaccinations and whether you feel that way based on your political leanings or based on an alleged religious leaning, um, they just felt that they shouldn't be required to do it. And, and, you know, it's an interesting dynamic because, yes, politics overlay everything in 2021, but we also have some basic concepts of conservatism and on uh, the ability of private employers to dictate the rules of being able to work there as opposed to government, right? It, it's a little bit different story. and The rules apply differently when you're talking about government action versus the actions of a private employer. So to some extent, this there's there's overlap here because you've got a Biden administration uh, dictate as far as um, the, the vaccines go. But, you know, this is the action of a private employer. We've seen other private employers approach this differently where take uh, even in the same industry. Delta has said we're not going to mandate our employees be vaccine or get get the vaccine, but we are going to um, penalize them to the cost of $200 per month if they don't get vaccinated. Your choice, but you're going to have to pay for your choice. The flip side of that is Coca-Cola has um, taken a stance that they're going to offer all their employees a $2,000 bonus if they receive the vaccine or if they have a legitimate exemption. Um, And the key word there is legitimate because a lot of people are claiming an exemption that's completely illegitimate. And I'll give you an example. The uh, Washington State football coach who got fired by the state of Washington because he wouldn't get vaccinated and who claimed a religious exemption that was not found to be legitimate. It's amazing that he walked away from a $3 million a year contract. I guess you got to give him credit for putting his money where his mouth is or his, his actions He's, yeah, and his coaches as well. Uh, just going back because it's your day in court and we think – we think these things are really important. Who the umpire is, you know, is it Joe West sure. or is it, you know, yeah. whomever. And Judge Barbara M. Lynn, <clears throat> 70 years old, born in Binghamton, New York. I happen to know Binghamton well. There's a big bar up there called Sharky's Clam Shop that everybody in North North New York State knows and about. And also State University. Yeah, there is a big one there. That's right. Uh, appointed by Bill Clinton, which is kind of a moderate, almost people might say a centrist Democrat. I mean, I, I think that's what we, historically we'd look at him. And, and certainly, obviously, he had been on the bench a long time if yep. you're a Clinton Well, she's chief judge in Texas. So we're not talking about a wild 
a bomb thrower from either side of the aisle, most likely. I bet she was probably confirmed without even looking at, you know, 97 to 3, something like that, which doesn't happen anymore. One day we'll talk about confirmation hearings in front of the United States Senate and their and their committees, which has just gotten crazy. Uh, so, look, I, I think people came. These folks have a right to challenge it, whether it's the union or the police officers. And that's what you do. You get the law firm, you file your petition in court, you put up your best evidence and a judge rules, and then you obey the law or appeal it. And while it's being appealed, you obey the law. That's how I feel about it. It's uh, fascinating to to see it all play out because you're, you're starting to see like in Chicago, they've got a, like 3,000 officers that are walking out. And so that seems like it could be tricky, at least in the fact that you already have a city that is short of police officers, and then you have 3,000 walk out. How, how do you all see that playing out? Do you think there will be any sort of legal uh, ramification against them for walking out? Or, or can they? Is there anything that the city can do? Well, you, you can't force people to hold their job. You can penalize them and not pay them. You know, uh, the flip side of it is Florida's Governor DeSantis is telling police officers from all over the country, move to Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to get vaccinated. Come here. We love unvaccinated police officers. You can get a job as a police officer in the state of Florida. We, we welcome you. Well, look, people vote with their feet. And if these officers don't want to work for the city of Chicago, which probably pays really well, just like New York City cops and gets a lot of overtime and have all kinds of pensions and benefits. And you want to go work in the Ocala Police Department, which I have no idea, but I bet it pays about half. Okay, that's fine. Uh, But you know what? Maybe they can be docked from their pension. I don't know that the mayor of Chicago has got it. I mean, that lady, whether you believe in her or not, I look at her and I say, ma'am, you you got a hell of a t- difficult job. Yeah. I mean, she really has a tough job. Yeah, yeah. So, but so that's that. I think that's kind of where I was going with it. And I don't because I, I don't know what you know what comes along with it. But pension is exactly right. I think that's a great sure. point. Is that something that they could lose? Well, and look, everybody um, tends to have this tendency of spending up to the point of yeah. uh, what you're earning and beyond. Right? You make ten thousand dollars more, you're going to spend fifteen, twenty thousand dollars more based on a ten thousand dollar raise. So all. All of these uh, uh, employees, police officers, they have financial pressure on them. And you can have a principal. You know, you mentioned the, the Washington State football coach uh, who is willing to walk away from $3 million so he could become a plaintiff. I mean, Ray and I love people who are willing to become plaintiffs. But, <laughs> but you know, I would never counsel anybody walk away from that job as opposed to getting the jab in your arm. Yeah. Um, these police officers have families. They have financial obligations. You know, how, how many of them are going to say, you know what, in the scheme of things, I'm willing to get this vaccine and keep my job and my comfortable life as opposed to I'm going to stand up for my principal to the financial detriment of everybody around me. I also question how many folks in law enforcement, I think the number is very high, are former military. Well, Tug, you're former military. And yes, sir. on that first day when they weigh in, they've got you in your boxer shorts. And what do they do to your right or left arm? Well, they're both arms, as okay. a matter of fact. Yeah, you, you, get, you walk through and they have this little device and it just shoots <laughs> vaccines into your arm. It's not a needle. It's like an air gun. Right. And and you, you line up. I think, I, I think you get nine, maybe? Did, did you serve during the time when you had to get the anthrax vaccine? I did. And let me tell you, I was not thrilled about it. I, right. I was nervous about it. And that was new. Yeah. It was new science. Mm-hmm. It was an emergency situation because we thought Saddam Hussein was going to drop anthrax yeah. all the 
were, you know, white powder in the envelopes mm-hmm. and all yeah. that stuff. But did you get it? I did, indeed. And did you serve your country? Absolutely. I did. love you. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and how many people said, well, you know, I'd really like to have some more research. Um, I want to do my own I, research. I, I want to do my no, own, no, yeah. do my I'm own research. I'm going to do my own research to find out what it is you're, you're sticking in my body here because I am concerned. You know, it's just not even like that. So no, there, there, there the are sacrifices you make uh, in the service of your country and, and certainly in other uh, aspects as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3 with Bruce Hagen, Ray Judice. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Ahmed Aubrey trial that's going on in Brunswick down in Glen County. And as well, we're going to talk about a judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and something that he says lawyers cannot say about the two people that were killed in this trial. We'll talk about it next on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. So a couple cases that are going on that, that have some interesting layers to the onion and that we're going to try to peel back. One of them being the Ahmad Aubrey trial. We're going to get to that in just a moment down in Glen County, Georgia in Brunswick. Most everybody knows about this case and that's why I think it's a little bit problematic, but we'll go through it. We're going to start with the judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. He says lawyers cannot call the two people that Kyle killed victims. That's an interesting twist in the story, Bruce, that I did not see coming. You know, there's no dispute that two people were killed, right? Mm -hmm. So so it's not like that has to be established that people were killed in the context of uh, the whatever was going on Mm -hmm. at that time. Um, Certainly Kyle Rittenhouse's actions of, uh, you know, what led up to getting him to be in that same location, armed and with his weapon pointed towards the two people who were killed. But the judge said that you are forbidden from referring to them as victims because victims is laced with meaning, despite the fact that victim is used in every uh, context. I, I can't even think of an instance with a trial, as Ray will talk about. You know, as a defense lawyer, you've got motions that get filed in advance of trial. You can have anything under the sun. You, you, you could have a motion for the most ridiculous thing in the world, but you've got a million motions, including a lot of them that are just very canned, cookie-cutter, standard. You file them in every case, whether you have an expectation that they're going to be granted or not. And, 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 and the reason is it may provide a basis for an appeal sometime down the road, so you want to get a ruling on these things before you ever get to court. So one of them might be, we're filing a motion that these uh, folks not be referred to as victim. The judge said, I will not allow these dead people to be referred to as victims. 
victims of a crime or as victims of gun violence or as victims of anything, you may refer to them as looters or rioters, as though those were those words are less yeah, those loaded do, with meaning. No, right? Those don't carry any sort of connotation. <laughs> you know? So, so and, and, you know, Ray, we'll talk about this as we go further on with the story, but we also want to know, like, who is this judge? I'm making a motion to change venue of all of my Georgia cases to this judge immediately. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is a shocking ruling. Apparently, it's consistent with prior rulings from this judge now. It's unbelievable. So let me give you an example of something that happens on a regular basis. We're defending someone, and they're charged with a very violent crime. And what happens is every hearing we have and trial or jury selection, the victim's family is packed to court, friends and family, and they're sitting behind the prosecution's table in those rows, and they want to wear their T-shirts that say justice for, you know, whomever, for whomever. And a big pin with the victim's face on it, you know, smiling at a birthday party or something and all those things. I understand how people want to express themselves. But we have to file defense lawyers a motion that says, judge, we can't have that. That's going to influence the jury. Now, they can sit. It's just like a wedding. You know, the defense folks sit behind the defense lawyer's table and all the prosecution's people. And and an awful lot of times it's about 50 to one, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's kind of difficult, but it's what happens. And I think jurors notice that, by the way. So that's a standard motion. And that's granted to the defense every time. And if anybody comes in with that T-shirt, they're removed from the courtroom. And and usually you don't have a problem with that. Here, language is so important as to how the defense is going to try this case. They're going to try it as a self-defense case, as a stand-your-ground case, some whatever version of that law exists in Wisconsin, where Rittenhouse gets to argue through his lawyers that he felt threatened by these, now they get to say, rioters rioters. and looters and maybe terrorists and Antifa and outside provocateurs. It's lovely. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying. From a a different... I'm running... I've got to go buy a Rogert's thesaurus to how how many different bad names can I call these two decedents? (laughs) And it's so strange, you know, where the leanings are. And, and, you know, imagine just trying to pick a jury for this case, too, because, you know, Rittenhouse has become the darling of the soldier of fortune, far right, anti-Antifa, pro whatever you're a crowd do, right? do the words and, concord and, and bunker hill mean anything to you so, Bruce so, Hagen? so so you know <laughs> okay so, so we wanted written so, houses there okay so <laughs> folks who you would typically think yeah. are going to be your pro-prosecution sort of juror right law and order uh, right uh, that that are the law and order types <laughs> and they're like yeah that's who i want I, I want these the ultra conservatives and yet the script is so reversed here right. and, and right. written you know th- those ultra conservatives are funding written houses defense and here's this kid who looks you know like the boy next Store that delivered the papers, or, or you know, we're supposed to mow your yard. To be honest with you, he doesn't have any military training or background. He's not all tatted up. He's not in combat gear. He just happened to have a combat level weapon. Yeah. The word <laughs> you know? you're searching for is radicalized. I don't think they can show that. I mean, I think he, I think he got caught up in the in the moment of I want to express myself. I mean, that's how I would defend it. Now traveling there from another state with an AR-15 to get involved in a neighborhood march that's not your neighborhood is a little different. If it's in front of your house and you feel threatened, like those two folks in St. Louis, the lawyer and his wife, now, now they portrayed badly. 
sitting in their polo shirts and their $4 million mansion with their loaded weapons. I'm filing a motion that those two folks not be referred to as heroes. Those charges were dismissed, by the way. Some some lawyer got a good fee out of that. But yeah, the language here is just, it's going to be so fascinating. And now let's shift gears to our local case. Well, relatively Ahmed, local, down, yeah, down yeah, in well, Glen, Glen County. Metro Atlanta now, bro. We <laughs> talked about that <laughs> earlier. Exactly right. Does, if if anybody from Glen County is listening and gets into a car wreck, believe me, we are local lawyers. It's just, just a bit down the, the <laughs> you Atlanta. You get a DUI in Glen County, you know who to call. That's it's exactly right. It's 52 set. It's just down the Atlanta Highway, that, That's baby. exactly right. And the song Love Shack from <laughs> 1989 right. and the Cosmic Thing record. That's right. <laughs> so the shift down there, because you brought up something that, uh, that, that made me even make a note and it is the stand your ground law because isn't that what some of the defense was using or plan to use in the Ahmed Aubrey trial? Yeah, they are. I mean, first they started off, they want to try to use the, we're entitled to make a citizen's arrest. We were protecting our property. This guy was a known, you know, criminal trespasser on vacant lots and look, you know, it's kind of silly what they're arguing. To be honest with you, the evidence doesn't really show it. But that's at least their state of mind. And that's part of their defense is what their state of mind was, what they really legitimately had a good faith basis to believe that they were protecting people and that the victim then turned violent against them and they had a right to defend themselves. All they were trying to do is restrain them. And in the Aubrey matter, there have been many pretrial motions that have been um, discussed and resolved, and some of those will severely affect the ability to present those types of defenses Mm -hmm. in court. And so, for example, one was a motion that the judge said we're going to exclude any reference to Ahmaud Aubrey's mental health care uh, that he'd received prior to this incident because the three men who were accused of his murder, they didn't know anything about that, right? Mm -hmm. So how can you say his mental health affected my perception of anything on that given day or my actions on that given day. So that's something that that is kept out. Mm-hmm. And and there have been other, you know, significant rulings that lead up to this because it's, they're basically saying you're going to be judged and what happened in that moment, right? Now, here's something that will be allowed in. There had been a lot of reports of crimes at vacant construction, you know, vacant houses that were under construction, vandalism, uh, things like that. So can you use that sort of evidence as a way to say, you know, our client's mindset was we're going to take care of our neighborhood and we're going to police our neighborhood because the police aren't doing it, which is why we're on alert for vandals or people who were up to no good. And that's all we were doing was we were trying to be good citizens um, when this kid came running through this construction site and, you know, we just thought he was there for an improper reason. All we wanted to do was talk to him. Up until it gets violent. I mean, it's a real problem when it's, first of all, Three human beings against one young man. That's a problem. With um, you know, it's not vehicles. A, it's not a, with he, weapons. He's, he's and and the kid is unarmed. At least he's in running shorts, which doesn't mean he couldn't have been carrying a weapon. But it eliminates the real you know that you could see or say, well, he had a, a trench coat on, and we didn't know if he had a gun under the trench coat. So I think it's this case is going to be a good example of how do the three criminal defense lawyers who owe an obligation to their client, okay. Are they going to go after the other two? Are they going to say, you know, is the dad going to turn against the son? I mean, you yeah. know, if I'm the, right. and if I'm the, I think it's, I forgot the gentleman's name that, so I'm going to take the word gentleman out. The third guy in the fight that's sort of following them and videotaping, I cannot remember his name. William but, Ronnie but I might, Bryant. But I might throw the other two under the bus too. 
hey, I didn't know anything about it. They told me that there was a criminal running down the street, and I said, I'll, I'll help and, out. And, and if nothing else, you would expect his lawyer to have had that discussion with him very early on in the context of this. Is like, you know, as your lawyer, the absolute best thing I could advise you to do here is allow me to negotiate a deal for you and get these charges dropped you know, in exchange for your providing testimony as to that very fact here and what happened. And I would not be surprised if that happens at some stage in the trial. Maybe halfway through the state's case, if I'm defense counsel, I see which way the wind is blowing, and I say to my client, look, I can get you, you know, conspiracy to commit. Anything that has the word conspiracy in front of it is half the sentence of what the offense is. Maybe I can get you involuntary manslaughter, felony reckless conduct, 10 years probation, 500 hours community service. Let me ask you a question about that. What does that look like in a courtroom? If the trial starts, <laughs> no, seriously, no, like no, if the trial it. starts yeah, and there's three question. defendants, are they all sitting at the same table to start the trial? And then if something like that happens, does now that one defendant move to a separate table and you know suddenly the jury is saying, What's, what just happened? Seven, here? eight years ago, I got appointed with 10 other lawyers in Metro Atlanta by Judge Bedford, Jackson Bedford to, a, to represent the Blood Gang and their triple homicide. Okay. I had, I had the gunman in two of them. Brian Steele, a fantastic lawyer, one of the best criminal defense lawyers in the Southeast. His client, who was actually the leader of the gang, but who did not actually commit any of the murders with the gun, in the middle of the trial, took a plea. His guilty plea was 50 years to serve 35 years, okay? That was his plea <laughs> bargain. Yeah. Okay? So, all right? And so they brought him in as a state's witness, and it was Eleanor Ross, who's now a federal district court judge, was a senior prosecutor in this case, fantastic lawyer, along with Gabe Banks, who's now a very prominent medical malpractice lawyer. It, was really, it really was a great experience as a lawyer. It was a five-week jury trial. And he brought in, they, bring, they bring the gang leader in. He took the witness stand. Eleanor starts asking him questions, and he says, Huh? I don't remember anything about it. Judge Bedford throws papers in the air. <laughs> oh we have my. to send the jury out. It was crazy. Oh my goodness. It was crazy because the word had gotten out yeah. that he had rolled. Yeah. And basically the law of the of the well, of the woods, let's yeah. say, got back to him that he was gonna get he was gonna get offed when yeah. he got back to Rice Street or into the system. So yeah. he changed his mind. Yeah. It's like Frankie Pentangeli in Godfather <laughs> Two when his brother comes over from Sicily, doesn't say a word, just sits in the courtroom and stares at him when he's actually the congressional hearing right. when he's about to uh, say something against the family. Right. Goodness right. gracious. It was crazy. So I actually wrote down notes like if you had to if you had to t take a guess and speculate, and I know it's probably not good to do but where does the cameraman end up you know because i mean it, it I, I looking at it you're like why are you filming this why aren't you helping it, it diffuse the situation if nothing else well there's multiple levels one level is what is he charged with the other level is what is a jury find against him versus the other two defendants and then lastly what is a judge sentence you know if you've got all three of these people are convicted of the same charges i as a judge would find it hard to sentence our videographer, you know, to the same sentence as the gunman. Mm -hmm. That would be that would be my sure. Unless I sat through a trial and heard it for several weeks and said, no, they all need to be treated the same. I don't know. So there's there's multiple ways that this can turn out. Uh, if he cooperates, though, you know, and he might. It's still early in the game. And so, there's also some questions too, as far as what is his duty. Well, yeah, you know? that's I mean, kind of where I was going. Um, and and you know, certainly, um, if he's 
part of the plan, if there was a plan, like, let's get this guy, and he's one of the three you know, in that plan, he's engaged. If it's, if it's something that just happens spontaneously, and he shows up there and pulls out his phone to document it, uh, that's a much different scenario. Sure. You know, there, there's something that was in the news this week or last couple weeks about a horrible sexual assault that took place on a train. Uh, in and, Philadelphia and, and, or in Pennsylvania. And the initial report was that the victim was, can we say victim? The victim <laughs> was um, screaming for help during the course of this and that nobody did anything to assist, which kind of reminds you of the old Katie, Katie Genovese, Genovese case. Uh, case from, you know, very famous case in New York. Yep. Um, but then it, the story comes out that, no, that's really not at all what happened here, that the victim was screaming and, and a lot of people came in to help and called for uh, assistance and, and intervened. And so, you know, factually, we'll see how that uh, works out. But but part of it comes down to, and the point in relation to this story is, what sort of duty does a person have if you happen to come upon a, an incident like that in progress? Yeah. Right. Well, I, I know one thing is in the law in Georgia would have not put any duty on him to intervene to get in between two people armed. So you have no no legal obligation to break unless up a fight? Have, unless or... you have set the wheels in motion. Okay. Uh, but, and even then, you know, that may or may not get you out of trouble. Yeah. Right. But no, I, you don't have any, not in Georgia. There's no also, good Samaritan law here. Right. There, there's also, um, you know, as far as good Samaritans go, if you do intervene there, there are some exceptions to, you know, your responsibility if somebody gets hurt right. in the course of you trying to, be a good Samaritan. You know, you you are driving along and come across a car that's flipped over, and and you go to try to pull somebody out of the burning wreckage. Um, well, if in the course of doing that, you know, you pull somebody out and they break their ankle, they had, or they know, had yeah. a hangman's fracture, and you jerking them out of the yeah. car severed the severed their their neck. Right? right. I mean, you don't know that you're trying to save the person from the fire, and that's exactly the wrong thing. You need the EMTs who know how to do it. Right, right. Yeah. One of the things that Ray mentioned earlier that's going to be a defense in this case is is the um, concept that these folks are making a citizen's arrest. In the aftermath of this case, the Georgia legislature took that issue back up, and while there had been a citizen's arrest law on the books in Georgia, that was repealed uh, after this act had been committed and prior to the trial. So to the extent that anybody listening here is thinking that at some time down the road they're going to um, – turn into Gomer Pyle and do a citizen's arrest. <laughs> Barney Five. Uh, Barney Five. Um, there's no citizen's arrest. Yeah. Uh, that, that law has been repealed in Georgia, as it has been in most places. Yeah, so I was going to ask you then, follow up a little bit with the the camera guy, because I don't know why I'm so stuck on him, but but I, I think I'm fascinated by it. Is there any leniency? And, and, and follow me here. I, I'm not excusing anything. I'm just genuinely curious, because without this video... We really don't know what happened. It was all he said, she said at that point. And My understanding is he came forward and presented that video through his lawyer to law enforcement. See, there we go. And and to me, if I'm defending him, I'm going to make the argument was, if you thought you did something wrong, if you had malice in your heart to harm this young man, why would you give the evidence to anybody? Mm -hmm. What you do is press delete put the phone in a bucket of salt water and then and then set it on fire in the barbecue. Right. Uh, Tom Brady style. Yeah, Tom second. Brady style. You're, you're not suggesting that uh, somebody destroy evidence. No, I wouldn't or... advise anybody to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that's what he would have done. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's probably what's going to happen. And I know we talked about this on a previous show where uh, folks and, and their uh, devices – 
tend to provide great testimony Boy, no against kidding. them, right? Yeah. And and so, um, you know, if these guys were wearing fitness trackers that showed what they were doing at the time, or the GPS on their phones, if if, if they had that, you know, or or anything, there's so many ways now that evidence is gathered. Uh, to be used against somebody, and so yeah, the video is, is a prime example of that. And and Ray's right, you know that that is the, the sort of thing that comes up if you're arguing for leniency. Um, why you know why would why I would have come forward over? with this and and self? And again, it's his state of mind. Yeah, I mean that's that's really relevant to a self defense cl- claim. Is what was your state of mind based on what you were perceiving or being told, or as the facts un- unfolded in front of you? And I I would argue to the court that his after the event conduct was was related to his, what mm-hmm. his state of mind was at the time. Yeah. All right. So let's go to jury because I know the jury pool has been quite big and, and it was like a thousand people and they've pared it down and they, they still only have like, what, 30 people that they've selected? Yeah, as, as we're sitting here, it's about 35 people that have just been qualified. So understand w- w- what that means. They've questioned folks initially about their knowledge of the events, their bias towards one side or the other. Um, their willingness to just sort of be fair and impartial. And out of the hundreds of people they've questioned over the course of two full weeks of doing this, they've only landed on 35 potential people. That doesn't mean that those are the jurors in the case. That means that from those 35, and I don't know if they're going to try to get to 60 or 100 or what their ultimate goal is, that they are then going to go and question those uh, ones who have been qualified to then try to see, all right, who is showing bias? Who can we strike uh, because we just don't like them or find a legal cause to eliminate them from from the fo- the people that will ultimately sit on the jury. And, and they're going to pare their way down to the 12 people plus probably a couple of alternates at least who ultimately will be the ones that sit on that jury for the trial. Yeah, I would say uh, between three and four alternates, if not, if not, maybe five, which you don't see often. But, you know, this is just one of those grueling trials. Everybody gets exhausted. The lawyers, the jury, the bailiffs, the judge, the law clerks. It's just an exhausting experience. And especially given the potential for COVID to knock somebody out for 10 days. Or, yeah, and all the oh, other things. The, the plastic, it's just uncomfortable. People wearing masks or maybe somebody gets sick in the middle of the trial. I mean, goodness gracious. It's just, it's, it's going to be a real problem. Just quickly, uh, a case we talked about many weeks ago, Theronis out there in California. Uh, one of the jurors was just taken off the jury because during a witness's testimony, she was doing suck out. So what is that? It's a puzzle. Sudoku. Sudoku. Yeah, yeah. And and her judge says, well, "What are you doing?" She goes, "Oh well, you know, it just relaxes me." Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Out. Out of here. <laughs> here. Good. Well, it is. It is a little ambitious to think that you're going to keep um, twelve people's attention for more than ten minutes, let alone for more than ten it, weeks. It, it yeah. has the attention span from my first jury trial in June of 1985 to whatever my next jury trial is, I can't Night even put a percentage on the reduction of a group, of a group thing. So true. Lack of, and lack it, of it's affected span. the way we prepare for trial Absolutely. because, you know, I, I may have a very complicated medical history that I have to try to clear up in order to establish mm-hmm. that a client's injuries were caused by this particular crash, right? Somebody's got 10 years of issues going on with their back before the crash ever occurred. How are we going to show that the surgery you had after this crash was caused by the crash and not caused by the culmination of 10 years of medical history? So, you know, we can go through this with the doctors in just painstakingly dull detail, but what is a jury going to do? How are they going to absorb that information? You know, if, if you're not giving it to them in a very good, quick soundbite, 
it's just not getting through. We went from a generation that read War and Peace to a generation that plays Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that was a, now you need to bring it up to a, a newer video game because Mortal Kombat's like 30 years old. That's a, that's a classic. <laughs> that's a, I'm doing the best no, I, I, I knew you were. I'm an OG, I knew you were. Like Minecraft or something or, 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 or right. Fortnite or one of those right. one of the big ones but, but, lately. But the point being, like, you know, you've got to be able to hold somebody's attention and, and these are jurors who are trained um, to only have short attention spans. You can't take a guy who has spent his entire career pitching one inning and say, all right, I need <laughs> right. you now to be my starter and give me 10. You no know, Harvey Haddix. Give me eight innings, no right? Harvey Haddix. Just threw an 11-inning <laughs> no-hitter for the Milwaukee Braves and lost. Yeah, that's big time right <laughs> yeah, there. Right. You yeah. feel bad for a guy like that. Goodness gracious. It wasn't that long ago that Jack Morris pitched 10 innings in yeah. a World Series yeah. game against the Braves. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, so you, you, know, you can't expect a juror who doesn't do anything more than scan – 140 character uh, things on Twitter to suddenly absorb a 3,700 page right. medical document. Did, did Twitter limit it to 140 characters because that was the technological limit or is that the attention <laughs> span limit? Maybe they're ahead of the game. That's right. Little did we know. When we come back, uh, where were we going with it? What were we doing last in the last segment? Do you remember? It was something. Um, gosh. I forgot. Pop tarts. Oh, uh, pop tarts. Or, or do we want to do ju- continue on with Aubrey with jury and and fair trial versus? Well, let's not beat that up. We, we okay, whole, that's gonna okay. be going on for for weeks. Okay, to come. okay. So when we come back, we'll hit the. Uh, okay. All right. All right. And that goes. You know, that's the McDonald's hot sauce. Sure. Case or, yeah. You know, All right. That's easy. Here we go. <laughs> Three, two, exactly. <laughs> Three, two. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, getting burned with hot coffee. Remember that lawsuit from McDonald's where the person got the hot coffee, spilled it on themselves, and then won a case because the cup didn't have hot coffee written on there? Well, there's a new one. Your breakfast, someone's coming after your breakfast. Pop-Tarts, a lawsuit for Kellogg. Do they make, is it Kellogg's? Y'all know? It is. Lawsuit for Kellogg's. We'll discuss it next. You'll probably get a chuckle out of this on Extra 106.3. This is your day in court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Final segment of your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. And if you ever need legal advice, legal help, two experts, and we're going to give you the uh, opportunity to reach out to them if you need their help. We'll tell you how to do that in just a moment here on Extra 106.3. But for, let's talk about uh, the case. Some would call frivolous. McDonald's, you get a hot cup of coffee, you spill it on yourself, you sue because the coffee's hot. All right. I, before we get on to the case we're going to talk about 
there are so many myths and misperceptions yes. about the McDonald's hot coffee case. We could spend an entire show and probably should okay. dedicate a segment just to that, to trying to correct the myths and the way that that, that case was misused mm-hmm. by the tort reforming movement. Because ultimately, McDonald's did a terrible thing. This lady was not the frivolous plaintiff. People have so many misconceptions so about it. There's a documentary called Hot Coffee that's worth watching for Netflix? anybody who listens to this show. I, I don't know if it's on there. I'll see if I'll, I can I'll find it. Up. It's a great documentary that really shows you the power of media to create false perceptions about events like that. And this was latched onto by corporate America as a way to say, look how frivolous this is. Because on the surface, it looks like somebody ordered hot coffee, got burned by hot coffee, and got $2 million out of the deal. The case we're talking about, though- This was uh, actually, they're asking is, for $5 million. Is, is, is five million. Well, you know, there's been some inflation since uh, <laughs> 97 or whenever those take place. Right. But, but this was a, a situation where somebody has sued Kellogg's because they said that when I get strawberry Pop-Tarts, there are no strawberries in the strawberry Pop-Tarts. <laughs> That's exactly and, right. And so, you know, th- this has got everybody in an uproar because realistically, who in their right mind is expecting to get a strawberry in a strawberry Pop-Tart? Yeah, right. Uh, it's just know. not what it is. <laughs> I don't want to know what's in my vaccine. I really don't want to know what's in my Pop-Tart. I don't think we can know. I think it may be more complicated than the vaccine. I believe the box says artificial flavoring, strawberry flavoring, you know, uh, not parv. You know, it's not. (laughs) It it, it contains apple. It contains pear. Probably some sugar. Right. right. And it has fragrance. Yeah. Uh, And you're giving it to kids. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to eat. You're just wiring them up with sugar anyway. They're going to burn that off in the exactly. next 25 minutes. Exactly At least right. I know my son is 17, is working out every day. He would cut through that with no oh, issue, sure, man. Just sure. saw through it. This appears frivolous. It, it really becomes a question of, does this amount to consumer fraud? You, you know, are, are you defrauding the Pop-Tart consuming public by claiming that strawberry Pop-Tarts, does it say on the box, contains 100% real right. strawberries? Right. And how much do you have to have in the product to back up that sort of claim, even if that's what you said? Nobody in their right mind looks at a Pop-Tart as a health food item, <laughs> as something where it's like, okay, I'm going to give my kid their fruit serving today <laughs> exactly. uh, by, by exactly giving right. them a Pop-Tart. So, so, true. so, you know, it is kind of amazing. But at the same time, there are consumer protection laws out there that essentially say if, if you're going to label something in a certain manner, you need to back it up by giving them the product that is what it says on the label. I don't see this going anywhere. It's absolutely insane. There was another instance recently, if you remember that was kind of disgusting. There was a Subway sandwich. Oh, yes. Uh, the Subway tuna That's was right. analyzed. Whatever the laboratory was that analyzed the Subway tuna said, we're not 100% sure what it is that we're looking at here, <laughs> but we are 100% sure that it does not contain any tuna. <laughs> right. So there may be a lawsuit there. there could, that, <laughs> that, that, would, that would be something, though, if, if it lays out exactly like that. Yeah. Then you could probably, you could see where that would happen. And then there's always the concept, too, of what harm have you suffered by virtue of this? Oh, right. In, the, in yeah. the area of consumer fraud, there's a presumption that the public is harmed by that sort of bad action of a mm-hmm. uh, corporation that's putting this stuff out there. So you don't have to show a specific harm other than that I consumed this stuff. You wouldn't have to say that I'm allergic to faux strawberries and, and this caused me an allergic reaction. Just the fact that you purchased it in reliance on the representation that there was strawberry in it. So Going back 
back to uh, 1797. Oh, wow. President okay. Jo- President right. John- they were Pop-Tarts? President- I didn't, they President- didn't even have toasters then. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> President John Adams, we were in a dispute with the French over some shipping lanes and things like that, and the French wanted us to contribute, send them money. The quote was, millions for defense, not a penny for tribute. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the Kellogg CEO, that's what I call my law firm up and say, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, send me the bill. Let's get it on. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not going to have the same lawsuit for the chocolate-flavored Pop-Tarts that mm-hmm. don't have any chocolate in it, or the apple strudel Pop-Tarts mm-hmm. that don't have any apple in it, or any other Kellogg's product that may not have exactly what somebody thinks, and then now you're weak. Now they know they can squeeze money out of you by filing suit. I've always wondered why the one person that does this, like if, if they're doing it on behalf of everyone, you know, like how, how does how do, how do you get to be the person, you know, that, that says, you know what, I'm, su- I'm suing on behalf of everyone. Calling Frank Duffy. Calling <laughs> Frank Duffy. <laughs> Sometimes you're just first in line to, okay. to do that. Suing, but... didn't, didn't Frank, was he part of that lawsuit against the uh, referees in a LSU football, well, a he, Saints game oh, or something? Saints, he really yeah. was? Yeah. No, well, he, he, he wanted to. He wanted okay. to be. Okay. Right. And we love Frank. No, but, of course. But, but, Duffy but you ask, how does that mark. person, it, it's, it's usually a, a really good person, a smart person who has just got so much passion or is so PO'd about something. And what happens is they find the lawyer who would like to have their name, their day on Channel 5 News on the courthouse steps filing this lawsuit. They rarely make the same level of appearance on the day that they dismiss the lawsuit. You know? <laughs> right. But to your point, when there when there's a valid claim, right, there are plenty of things that happen on a day-to-day basis that are wrong, right? That, that somebody has done somebody else wrong, but it's such a small wrong that it doesn't justify a single lawsuit to be filed over that small wrong. So, you know, you're selling me, you know, an undercoating for my car, claiming that it's got some rust-proof capability, and it costs me $300 when I get it. But the reality is it does not contain the rust-proof capability, and I'm getting rusted out on the bottom of my car. And I've got a $1,200 grievance, you know, from the $300 I paid and the $900 I have to pay to replace it. I can't find a lawyer to handle a $1,200 case for me. But when that same wrong is repeated 10,000 times, I can find a lawyer who's willing to say, I'm going to file on behalf of everybody who is aggrieved here. And that's the basis of the class action system, also what we call the mass tort system, which is a um, same, same idea of consolidating uh, into a bundle all of the same things that have been done wrong so that they can be litigated once in one forum that saves money for the defendant to have to defend it. It also allows it to be prosecuted and pursued in a way that's economical on behalf of the folks who are aggrieved and try to get it to a resolution that way. Such a great discussion and a great conversation when people see these these stories. And I do want to do that McDonald's one because I'm fascinated by that now that you've said all that. But if case somebody has a legal issue that pops up, Bruce, how do they get hold of you? Hagen-law.com. That's H-A-G-E-N-law.com. You can email me there, Bruce at Hagen-law.com. 404. I've got the original 404 area code. Let's still. go. 522-7553. That's the OG number. <laughs> yeah. Ray Judice, G-I-U-D's and David I see. I see Teresa is back in the news. She's got a new boyfriend. and oh, good Looks like she's had a little work done. You think? <laughs> Huge surprise. That's the biggest surprise a of the surprise. day. Huge surprise. That's a nice Huge surprise. <laughs> And Joe is back in Florence eating a lot of pasta. So uh, 404-964-4185, that's my cell. I actually do answer. I was in a courtroom 
Last Friday, Villarica Municipal Court representing a tractor trailer driver who sadly Bruce hit a bike bicyclist. I know Uh-oh. Bruce cringed, but hey, Uh-oh. that's the side of the that's the side of the trade I was on. If okay. the family of the deceased cyclist <laughs> the vic- is listening, he was not a victim. He <laughs> was a speeding cyclist. Did I mention my other email address? And this is not a joke. It's Bruce at BikeLaw.com because I do help injured bicyclists. This is this is really awful, right? Yeah, and a judge said, "I mean, is it true you don't hunt?" fish or play golf on the weekend i said that's right judge i don't have the energy by saturday i'm just wiped out laying at the house with the phone on there you go watching the braves get and a hold of it. that's right which will be playing yeah, no tonight braves. here at the uh the battery atlanta where we're recording this show at dickie broadcasting company on extra 1063 that was your day in court the winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.